Uh, we are in Acts chapter 18. We'll be going through verses 24 to 28. Acts chapter 18, 24 through 28. This is the, the story of Apollos. We've already heard a little bit about. Now we'll get a little bit more in-depth picture here. Let's go ahead and read it. Acts 18, 24 through 28. Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. He began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Let's open our time this morning in prayer. Dear Father, I thank you so much for this morning, for the opportunity once again to gather with your believers, to be encouraged through the fellowship with the saints. We are, we're tired. We had a, had a busy week. We're so grateful to you for the time that we had in D.C., for the safety on the roads coming back, for um, those who've been able to make it here this morning. We pray that you'd keep us vigilant, uh, alert, that we would be able to understand and apply the truths of your word, to be encouraged in our spirits even as our bodies are weak, and that you would be uh, in our, in our conversation, in our thinking this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage this morning orients, orients around the character of Apollos. This is a, a fellow who will show up kind of often, not, not a ton, but definitely shows up a bit in the, in the book of Corinthians, kind of this New Testament character, just a tremendous influential minister really to the, to the Corinthian congregation. We can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 5 through 9. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. What I want us to see this morning, what I want us to really take away from the story of Apollos is just the idea of ambition, of really grabbing a hold of the things that you have that God has given to you and not holding back, not wasting those things. That you never stop learning, you don't use lack of knowledge as an excuse to, to not pursue wholeheartedly the activities and engaging with service, and that you would never stop serving. I want you to be ambitious, like Apollos, all while understanding that your ambition, that your striving, that your effort doesn't mean that you are something, right? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Like the, we've been reading about Paul. This guy was unbelievably ambitious. He's going everywhere, preaching the gospel all over the place, 
And you've got Apollos. We're going to be looking at this character, just an absolutely incredible man. And yet it's summed up here in 1 Corinthians that they're, that they're nothing, that it's God who causes the growth. All of those things kind of wrapped up in whatever you're doing, whatever your effort is, that doesn't amount to you being something or being able to be proud in that, but that never being an excuse to not be ambitious. God causes the growth. Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God causes the growth. So our first point this morning is to never hold back. Let's read again verses 24 through 26. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. He begins to speak out boldly in the synagogue. What strikes me the most in, this, in these, these verses is just these, these incredible adjectives that are used to describe Apollos. He's eloquent, he's mighty, he's fervent, he's accurate, bold, powerful. Apollos was a, a vibrant, tenacious character. He explodes onto the scene of the early church here in Europe, and he's just, he's absolutely getting at it with evangelism and building up the church. Truly a man of tremendous talent and ambition, and he's aimed at serving and building up the church. And when I read about Apollos, I really can't help but think of all of you who also are ambitious and have a lot of talent and are aiming yourselves at applying those things in the world. My question, though, is, is are you holding back as you look at your ambition and your talent and the things that you can do, the things that you could do, are you, are you holding those things back from really unleashing that into service in the church? Are you more interested in unleashing those things on your career, on your relationships, on your sports, on your hobbies? Like, what are you a hero at? What are you really aiming your talents and abilities at? Apollos aimed those things at serving the church. I mean, this is an, this is an outrageous list. Eloquent, mighty, fervent, accurate, bold, powerful. I want those things to be said of me. I want those things to be said of you. But if it's for your high score in Call of Duty, like, come on. If it's for how good you are at the clarinet, does anybody play the for your whatever, whatever the thing is that you're doing, is that the thing that you're a hero at? Is that the thing that you're the best at? Or when these words are used of you, is it for the way that you serve in the church, the way that you care for your friends. Because that's what, that's what it should be. That's where our ambition should be aimed. I think sometimes we don't, we don't really think that the, the church is the place that we do that. That we take our talents and our abilities and we use that to make money, we use that to gain fame. We need to be like Apollos and use those things to build up the church. People need help in the church. There's so many things to do. And if you're unaware of those things, that's evidence. You haven't been asking enough questions. How can I help? Where can I serve? What can I do? You need to take your ambition, your time and your talents, and apply those things to honoring and glorifying God, doing the things that please Him. Ecclesiastes 9.10, I love this verse so much. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, for there is no activity 
or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. You only get one life and it only lasts so long. And so while you're alive, while you're still sucking air, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever work, whatever activity, make sure it's a good one, right? Make sure it's one that's actually valuable, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But then when you find that thing, when, when you're applying yourself to doing what is good, don't you dare hold back. Do it with all of your might, because you only have one life to build up eternal rewards, to do things that actually matter for eternity, and then it's over. You're in heaven, you're in hell for all of eternity. Your destination has been set, but while you have opportunity, while you're here, while you're sucking air, you have the chance to apply yourself and do it ambitiously. Galatians 6.10, kind of pairing with that uh, verse in Ecclesiastes, so then, while we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. Don't hold back. Stop making excuses. You're not too young. You're not too busy. You're not too poor. You don't need to wait. In fact, you really need to not wait to serve. You need to take what you have and use it ambitiously. Whatever, however large it is or small it is, you can look around, you're always going to find someone who's doing more than you. It doesn't matter. How much are you doing? How are you applying your effort? Where is your striving going? Apollos, is, is, he's just going nuts with it. I mean, this, this so many incredible adjectives. There is an issue, and I think this is really interesting to me, right? For all of his ambition to serve and evangelize, he was only acquainted with the baptism of John. Like, his, his theology is, is entirely incomplete. He has, a, he has this concept, the baptism of John, this idea of repentance from your sin, but the baptism of John didn't go all the way through to the sacrifice of Christ, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, all of these things that, that Paul really formed. He didn't, he didn't have it fully, but he didn't use that as an excuse. He, he he was ambitious with the knowledge that he had, he used it. So it was truth, it wasn't all the way, and that's kind of at some level where we're all going to be, and that we can use this as an excuse all the time. I need more training, I need to know more, I don't want to get out there and start telling people things. You need to make sure it's true, but don't use your lack of knowledge as, 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 as an excuse to say, I'm going to wait a while until I'm older, until I know more, and then I'll go out and do something. You don't know that you have that time. While you have opportunity, you need to be doing good. And Apollos was, and thank the Lord that he had some Priscilla and Aquila to come alongside him. We'll get to that in a minute. But don't use your lack of knowledge as an excuse. It needs to be true, right? Don't go out there and blaspheme, telling a bunch of lies. But for what you do know, what you do know that's true, and you guys know a lot, because you sit here week after week after week, You've got the Bible, you've got access, you have everything you need to know what you need to know, to know the truth, but you really just need to be presenting it. You need to be living it out. So Paulus had a, had a gap, it wasn't complete, but what he had, he, he shared. So never hold back. Next, never stop learning. The end here of, of verse 26, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. 
And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. Uh, Apollos, this powerful man, like it already says he's quite accurate, but he needs to be more accurate. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the, the baptism of, of the Spirit, of Christ, the, where forgiveness, repentance kind of goes. And if, if Apollos had been, in, like, if, if those things, this, these adjectives were used of me, eloquent, mighty, fervent, accurate, bold, powerful, if those things are said of me, I'm going to be pretty arrogant. I'm going to be like, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm all that. And then somebody older, somebody that's, you know, not that powerful, you know, they're tent makers. They come alongside, they, they kind of like pull me aside and they say, hey, you need to know the Word of God. You're like, you need to know it more accurately. We have, we have additional things that we need to tell you, right? Paul had brought Priscilla and Aquila along. He had trained them up. He had planted them in Ephesus where Apollo shows up. They take him aside. I think these words are really interesting. They don't like stand up like, whoa, 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 Apollo, shut up. Like, what are you talking about? You, you don't, they take him aside privately, quietly, and they train him, they teach him, and he has the humility to hear them and to build in his understanding because he, he, he doesn't orient around his platform, he doesn't orient around his ministry, he doesn't orient around his attributes, these things that are said of him, like, I'm so eloquent and I need to be out there, pre-. like, don't take me aside, don't tell me that I don't know enough. Look how powerful I am, look how fervent I am. He's humble takes that information because he wants to serve the church. He wants to do it the very best that he possibly can. And all of these tools that he has, he wants to use those things to actually present the gospel better. And so if there's pieces that he's missing in the actual goal, which is building up the church, not building up himself, not building up his own platform, well, now it makes sense. And now it's super obvious. Of course, of course I want to know more. Like if, if there's something additional that I need to add and the information that I'm giving to people... definitely give me that. Give me that information because I need to know it. And then I'll take all of these tools, all of this equipment, all of this fervency that I have, and then I'll I'll add on to that. I'll I'll use those things to present the better, the the more full gospel. Explaining the Word of God more accurately. You guys need to think about that. Right? You're, You're in this constant state of learning and growing Uh, gaining information and then figuring out how to apply that. It comes from teachers, other people around you. And you need to listen. You need to understand. You need to build your framework by which you acquire information, decipher what's true, and then build that into your life in your presentation as you're living out your life before other people. And you need to have a humility because there's going to be times and it's going to be more and more frequent. The older you get, the more knowledge you have, where you're like, I'm actually pretty smart. I actually kind of know a thing or two. You can't really talk to me. Like, what do you know? I'm so powerful. I'm so strong. I'm so youthful. I don't have anything to learn from you. Like, be so vigilant against that. You need to remember. You need to orient around what's the actual goal. It's not you building yourself up. It's not you building your own platform. It's not you getting all of these attributes and everybody recognizes it. You have an opportunity to build eternal rewards. So you need to be acquiring all of this information so that you can do that to the very best of your ability. It's like superpowers to be able to get information from other people. 
And you have to have humility to be able to do that. But it's, it's incredible the capability that we have to learn things, to grow in our understanding. And if you put up a barrier that says, I, I don't want to be humble, I want to be recognized, you stunt your ability, you, you throttle your ability to grow in your, your ability to gain rewards, to do a better job, to teach the Word of God more accurately, to actually do really well in the Christian life. So you need to keep those doors of education wide open for your whole lives And it's going to take humility, but who cares? You're not that great. What is Apollos? What is Paul? Right? They're nothing. They're just servants that are used in the actual goal of growing people up in the knowledge of God. And if we can keep our eyes on that goal, it'll be so much easier for us to be able to acquire that knowledge and then apply it. You guys know this verse. I, I uh, give this verse, so uh, every time Eric goes to bed, I always read this verse, or I guess now quote this verse to him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. This is such a foundational, fundamental verse for you to build up and remember in your life again and again and again. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's it's just so easy to think you're pretty smart because you gain enough information to be able to survive and maybe to even actually do pretty well in the world. But if you stop there, you are doing nothing to store up treasure for heaven. And so don't lean on your own understanding. It's not that your own understanding is insufficient to survive. It's that it's not going to take you far enough. You're not going to really be building up those eternal rewards, pleasing the Lord, living a life that's actually worth living. You're just going to make it. But who cares about making it when you last forever? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And that, that call so clear to not be wise in your own eyes. That concept is, is so, I mean, that's so chilling to me, and it shows up quite a few places in Scripture where you think you know a thing or two. You, you think you're pretty smart. You kind of got life figured out. Proverbs twenty six twelve. do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. That's terrifying. Because you guys know you guys know the book of Proverbs, and it's it's filled front to back with these just like terrifying accusations and uh, warnings against the fool. But guess what? If you're wise in your own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for you. When you think you know something, when you've kind of stopped learning, you've you've topped out. You're not willing to be humble and come underneath accurate teaching from others. There's more hope for a fool than for you. That's terrifying. But it's also not that hard in the sense of just keep learning. Just keep humbling yourself. Stop thinking that you know so much. Stop making excuses when people bring correction. Who cares? What are you trying to build up? What kind of reputation are you trying to maintain or hold? Would it not be better 
to just grow in wisdom, to grow in understanding, to take what you can from the correction that you get so that you become more accurate, you become better at harnessing all of the talents and abilities you have to have a more accurate, more impactful presentation. First Peter 5, 5 through 6, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And that's, that's really the terrifying thing. Like, what, what, what could possibly be worse than having God Almighty not just be indifferent, not just overlook, but actually be opposed to you? Like, who's going to win that fight? If you're, if you're going to stand up and say, I'm, I'm kind of all that, I'm a bit smart, and I don't want to hear any instruction, I think I've got my life figured out, what do you know? God's not just indifferent. He's not just going to overlook. He is opposed to you. He is setting up barriers against you. That's terrifying. But if you're humble, if you're willing to learn, willing to listen, God gives grace to you. He's, he's, he's not just, all right, good job. I'm not going like, to put up barriers. Like He's clearing the path for you. He's giving grace to you so that you can understand so you can grow in knowledge, you can actually do things with your life that count and matter. So humble yourself, keep learning, swallow, crush, compress your pride, and keep serving. You're not that great. God is great. And you ought to serve Him tremendously, ambitiously. Just like Priscilla and Aquila, they hear Apollos, they privately take Him aside and teach Him. It's just this beautiful full circle moment of Paul teaching Priscilla and Aquila. He plants them in Ephesus. Apollos comes along and they teach him this propagation of the truth, all oriented around the building up of the church. It's not so that Apollos is great. It's not that a Priscilla and Aquila are so great. We're not even oriented around looking at Paul being so great. It's that truth matters. It needs to be propagated. People need to be saved. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear it accurately. And that happens through people keeping their minds open, through Christians keeping their minds open so that they can continue to learn. All right, our last point, never stop serving. Let's take a minute here. You all are falling asleep. Stand up really quick. Let's stand up. I'm not kidding. Everybody's like, we're away. And I'm going to do a one, two, three, and we're all going to clap, and then we're going to sit back down, all right? One, two, three. All right, sit back down. Verse 27, when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Apollos seems to have a, a particular affinity, like he's really good at, at generating these stimulating technical debates, apologetics. And in humility, he's, I mean, he, he is just absolutely flexing his abilities for the accurate and compelling presentation of the truth of the gospel before unbelievers. He's positioning himself to help believers and confront unbelievers. And he has the mindset, Apollos has this mindset to serve and just keep on serving. Not just to keep learning, not just to keep growing, 
but to serve. And that, there, there is a danger for us, particularly in a really solid church, that has a lot of theology, a lot of words that we need to know, a lot of ologies, that we just keep acquiring more and more knowledge. We just keep getting smarter and applying more information to our brains, but ne- like never, ever, ever think that that's the end goal, that that's sufficient, that that's the point. It's not. The point is not to sit in chairs and listen to people. It's to take that information and then go and serve people, to actually use your hands and your legs and your eyeballs and your mouth to go and serve the Lord, to do the works of service. And if you stop and you just learn, and then you learn some more, and then you learn some more, and you keep tweaking and refining and crafting your theology, and that's the end, that's the point, you've really missed the whole point. Right? Apollo takes, Apollos takes this information and he goes and he greatly helps those who have believed through grace. And then he powerfully refutes the Jews in public. He takes this information and he applies it. And we need to do the same because it's easy to sit in a chair and listen. It's easy to read a book and tweak your theology until it's perfect. It's hard to get out of your chair and actually go and live and apply that information in the real world that's aggressive and opposed and it's difficult and you're not going to get it perfect. You're going to have to apologize to people. That's hard, but that's the actual work of being a Christian, to take that information and go and live it out. We tend to maybe think that, that that kind of ministry or that type of service is for people that are in full-time ministry, where we give that job to someone whose job it is to like be a Christian and do Christian service. But you guys, you guys know that that's, that's not true, that's not accurate, that's not what Christian, that's not the, like the sum total of Christians, that you're just supposed to be a good person in the world. You're supposed to be a Christian in the world, that's sharing the gospel it's talking to people. It's building up your friends in Christ to encourage them and strengthen them and challenge them to, to do good works, to sow in the fields that God has given them unto eternal rewards. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not just for full-time ministers. And in fact, even full-time ministers are really given to the church to build up people like you who are just going to be lay Christians, who are going to work jobs and like, be normal don't, don't think that that's not important. That's the point. That's the majority. That's what most of us are going to do, and we need to do it powerfully, like Apollos, where we take the information, we continue to learn, we continue to grow so that we can serve better. The goal, the point of serving better. And it, uh, this shouldn't be discouraging. I think, again, when you, you think about your life, you can sort of think about it in categories, and you think about, I've got my main life, my my big life, that I've got my job or my school or my friends, my activities, like that's the majority of my time. And then I've got this Christian thing and like it kind of starts to cut into that a little bit. Now you're asking, now you're like trying to push me to cut more and more and more into my normal life. I really don't want to do like more Christian stuff. Hear what I'm saying. It's not that you need to sit in more chairs and listen more. You need to be exercising your Christianity. And this should, this, is, this should be the most encouraging message you could possibly hear. And it, it will be if you really believe in heaven, if you really believe in eternal rewards, to have this field of opportunity 
in the world, in your job, with your friends, to be able to every day, at every moment, be able to apply all of this information about how you're to live in your daily lives. Now, every single moment of your life is this field of opportunity to do good to all people, and especially to those who are Christians, your fellow believers. This opportunity where all of life is now this field of opportunity for eternal benefit, eternal reward, a chance to work heartily, ambitiously for God. Second Timothy 4, 5 through 8, but you, you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. As Christians, we we long for Christ to come. We long to rest, but we must not rest, not until we have served Him, not until we have fought in strength and labored over lost souls to see them saved, even as we have been saved. We can rest when we're dead, but, but please, don't rest until you've worked, until you've sown, until you've laid up treasure for heaven. The early church leaders, they got this in a way that I think we're prone to forget. And we need to, we need to recover a love for being a Christian, for living a Christian life, not just surviving, not just not doing bad things, but to labor, to do the hard work of being a Christian, sowing in the fields that God has gifted to us. Right? Like we, we remember not too long ago, we remember where we deserve to be. We deserve to burn in hell forever for our sins. But God in His grace, for those of us who have repented, who've trusted in Christ, who've had our sins removed, we have this gift, this opportunity that we do not deserve to, to reap rewards unto eternity, to labor, do the hard work of being a Christian, of taking the information, this in, increase in accuracy that we have this gift to equip ourselves and then to go and work, to get back into our fields and sow the seed. It's hard work, but life's not that long, not really, not in the light of eternity. And so you need, to, you need to think about that. I want you to think deeply about that. We've spent a week at, at camp being equipped, thinking through these things, thinking about the goodness of God, the obligation that we have to serve Him as Christians, We need to regain a love for being Christians, for living a Christian life, not just trying to navigate and weave in and out of the world, not getting into too much trouble, but to stand up and do the hard work of being a Christian because it's a gift, it's an opportunity to reap words forever, forever, day after day after day, month after month, like there's no time, it just goes on and on and on and on and on forever. And you have this opportunity during life to serve the Lord, to do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. And I want you to see that, that you're building your life, you're thinking deeply and carefully about the talents you have, the gifts you have, the money you have, the places you can go, the influence that you've got, 
like the things that God has built into you uniquely, and that you would flex those things. You wouldn't have this like false humility of like, oh, I'm just this meek and humble person, and yes, I have these talents, but I'm choosing not to use them because I don't want to get a big head. Come on, flex. Use your talents. Use your abilities. Work through your arrogance. But you need to be exercising every ounce of your energy because you last forever. And the work that you do, you've only got this short moment. Whatever work your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. That's hard. That's hard to do. And it's hard to do it day after day after day, and that's why Scripture is just filled with don't lose heart in doing good. Endure. Keep working at it. It's, not, it's hard. It's difficult. It's why there's so many reminders in there. And that's my challenge to you, to take from Apollos, this man who was powerful, who did flex his abilities, but it was not humility. It was for the point of building up the church. He was used in a powerful, tremendously powerful way for the churches that he was a part of. And I want that to be said of you, not so that we're all looking at you, but so that we're all built up, that we're all sowing unto eternal rewards. Never hold back, never stop learning, and never stop serving. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for your word, for the examples that we have in Scripture to challenge us, to encourage us, to remind us what a Christian looks like. We wouldn't idolize these characters unnecessarily or in an unrighteous way. That We would be challenged to be like them. That we have the same spirit, the same power, the same ability to exercise the gifts that we have in greater or less measure as you've given to each one, but that it would be said of us, each one of us, that we did all we could. That we worked hard, that we labored well, And at the end, when we stand before you, that it would be said, well done. That we would have been good and faithful servants. That it's not about us, the spotlight's not pointed on us, that even our abilities are given to us. Like, what what have we, what do we have that we've not been given? You give us all of these things. That you would keep us from false humility and that we would serve, that we would work hard, that we would do it day after day after day, that we would really believe in heaven and be consistently daily investing into that eternity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.